listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. All right, missed all you guys last week. We're on uh, vacation, but uh, thank you all uh, for all y'all that helped. Kind of took up my slack and Larissa slack last week. And we had a great vacation, very refreshing. We're glad to be back, though. Uh, thank you for all the items that you brought today uh, for the brunch. If you uh, want to contribute to that in a way, um, a very intentional way, just uh, talk to Bobby Gregg. If you haven't done that in a while, just uh, speak to her. She'll tell you kind of what the needs are on that. Um, no small groups this week. Next one will be the Zoom group by June the 7th. Um, I want to say a special thank you uh, for all of those that have uh, volunteered over the last uh, few months to be team leaders. We're going to talk, um, talk to team leaders over the uh, course of the next few months to get really ready for fall in an intentional way. But most of all, I want to thank Sheila for volunteering to be the congregational care leader. Uh, that, that's a big, a big need that we have. By the way, Team leaders are not the per people that do the brunt of the work. That's not what that means. It's the people that are going to be asking for help from various people on that team. And I'll get you a list of people that are already on that team. And, um, and she may be asking you to help with various things as we uh, set up meals for people that have deaths or in need uh, as we set up uh, times for people that may need a visit in the, in the congregation that are invalids right now that, uh, want to, that, that are homebound that want to come. I don't like the word giveaway, sorry about that. That's a homebound is what I like to say. Uh, but all that to say that she's going to be um, doing that, so thank you for that. Uh, this Tuesday, again, is the ladies' Bible study at Rebecca Robbins' house. Uh, and uh, I guess it's also uh, 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 Mr. Robbins' house, too. Uh, but at the Robbins' house, yeah. I just didn't want to say that out loud. But yeah, uh, so it's 167 Hunter Hills, which is right by a couple of doors down from our house. And it uh, sounded like the ladies had a great study last week. If you want to be a part of that, you don't have a book, let us know. If you want to be a, uh, just come and visit one time and say, I want to check it out, please do. And uh, like I said, um, that's, a, that's a very uh, big time for the ladies in our church to get to know each other uh, and study the Bible. There will be a baby shower brunch for Anna Junkins and baby boy Junkins. Uh, that would be Saturday, June the 24th from 11 to 1. That's going to be at Sheila's house. Um, for those that want to know more about the Main Street on the Square that's happening, um, I think there's one this Friday, June the 2nd. Uh, they're having a little Main Street get-together. Yeah, I think it's June the, yeah, okay, June the Second, ninth, and sixteenth, I think. Um, Seventh and tenth. If y'all want to go down there, uh, we can sit in the square. People can go together, carpool, whatever you want to do. Bring a picnic, uh, or you can eat uh, burgers and food that they have on the square. Uh, they've really done a lot to make that a nice little entertainment. Yep. Yeah. It's a good yeah. group too. I think they're called the Go Hill Ramblers. Get a little bluegrass band. Go Hill. Sounds like my kind of band. <laughs> uh, but they've done a lot in the in the uh, Columbiana, uh Square. Uh, to kind of create this nice little entertainment district. So if you get a chance, go down there. Uh, and if some of y'all want to maybe carpool and stuff, uh, holler at me, we can figure out something. 
June the 10th at our house. First of three big events that we're doing in the summer. I think I've invited about 50 people so far. I expect about 75 people probably. Uh, we're going to do crawfish. Uh, my buddy from Louisiana is doing the crawfish. I did tell him to dial it down just a little bit because I know how those Louisiana boys are. Uh, so he's going to bring the seasoning down a little bit. But we will do ribs for those of you that don't like mud bugs. And also we'll throw some shrimp in the, uh, in, in the pot there. So uh, it's going to be good, great, great opportunity to invite your neighbors, but especially people that you know may not come to church at all would be willing to come and get to know us through this event. These are what these events are made for. So anyone you can think of, it doesn't have to be in Chelsea even. Anybody can think that you want to invite friends, family, whatever. We would love to have them during that time. And uh, also what we have is um, along with what we'll be cooking there, we need a few people to bring potato salad, a few people baked beans, coleslaw and desserts. Uh, the sign-up list is right there, so if you can pass this around, uh, make sure it gets to the other side of the room. Sometimes it stalls out uh, some places, so uh, just pass it around. Whatever you can bring would be appreciated, and uh, it should be a great event. How we, to set the time for that? Four o'clock. Four o'clock to eat. If you want to come earlier to help and hang out, um, you can show up. I think Arthur that's going to be cooking the crawfish may be there around 9 o'clock. I'll be there smoking ribs probably 8 o'clock. So anybody wants to come early, hang out, feel free to do so. Uh, we also need um, somebody to think about doing something in their neighborhood in July. So uh, think about that. Um, preferably in Chelsea, but not necessarily just in Chelsea. So um, just because these are things that are feeding into our community and then August we'll be doing it here at the middle school so um, that way people can kind of associate our cookout with the, the middle school where our church is so that's what's going on this summer in that any questions on any of that that's a lot of information that I covered in a short amount of time no questions no suggestions all right if you have your Bibles, you can open to John 17. Uh, we'll be looking at 16 through 19. If you don't have your Bibles, as always, it's printed in the order of worship. We are at the end, the very end of our series through the book of John. Uh, it's been uh, quite, you know, several months that we've been looking at John. As I said before, John is one of my favorite books. And uh, I hope that I did the book justice as we preach through this and talk about it. There is so much more in the book of John than what we've talked about. If you even liked a little bit what we talked about, John, go back and read it. We couldn't hit everything. Uh, and so I would at least urge you after today, there's several chapters after verse 17 that deal with uh, Jesus' death and resurrection. I would say, if nothing else, this week, if you don't have a Bible study plan already, read the next uh, few chapters in John. And uh, it doesn't take long. It's a pretty easy read. It's narrative. It's story. It's nothing dense. And so if you get a chance, it's not a hard read. Read the rest of the book uh, this week. Today, we are in the farewell address where Jesus is talking to his disciples before he goes to the cross, resurrects, and, and returns to the Father. And he ends this farewell address with a final prayer for his disciples. So what is a prayer by the Son of God, that he prays on behalf of his closest friends look like. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's look at our, our section here, John 17, uh, 6 through 19. 
And uh, for what we'll do today is what we do often when we have a longer passage, we're going to read to, uh, we'll probably just read till uh, verse 9 here. Let's look at it, and then we'll cover the rest of it later. It says, Jesus says, and he's talking to the Father here, he's praying, right? I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they are, and you gave them to me, and I have kept them, I have kept your world, sorry. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, talking to the Father again, and they have received them, and they have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those who, whom you have given me, for they are yours. Let me read one more verse. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have a moment here to just hear a conversation between you and the Father. Uh, Lord, thank you that you prayed on behalf of your disciples, that you are praying now on behalf of us. Help us to understand that more through the words that we look at today in the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. So here at the end of Jesus' life, before he dies, he's offering words of comfort to his closest friends. But they're not words that you would think that he would offer. As Chris talked about a little bit last week, they're comfort words, but they can also be confusing words. He says stuff last week like, I'm going to leave you, uh, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to leave you again, but I'm also going to come back again. And you can understand the confusion that disciples have had up until this point. But the point is this, he's telling the disciples that things will seem to get worse before they get better. And he's speaking about his death for one, but the world second. And Jesus, as their friend, says, I'm never going to leave you, I'm never going to forsake you. He's already reminded of this. But he knows this, when Jesus came to earth, two worlds collided, causing conflict. Simply put, Jesus was a polarizing figure. He wasn't a nice guy that walked around saying these little platitudes and everybody's like, oh, those are nice things. He polarized the world. It was polarized between people that believed in Jesus and the people that thought he was a lunatic or somebody that they thought was trying to overturn the religious institution or people that the world just hated because of what he said. Remember at the beginning of John? How did it start? In the very beginning, we started off. We, John said the light was going to come into the world and it was going to oppose the darkness, and the darkness was going to try to overcome it, but it could not. And then Jesus in John says, I am the light of the world. See, Jesus ends his farewell speech with a final prayer, and this is how we're going to end our study on the book of John. So let's look at our, the prayer today in terms of three points. We're going to talk about a prayer to the Father, and these are in the bulletin if you want to look at them. A prayer to the Father. We're going to talk about a prayer for his disciples, his friends. And then we're going to talk about this general prayer for protection. So let's look at the first few verses here that we just read. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. We're talking about disciples. Yours they were. And you, he's talking about the Father, you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they that know everything that you have given me is from you. And I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. So 
Jesus is almost through with his ministry here on the earth. And the best is yet to come. He's been in public ministry for three years. The best is meant to come, meaning he's about to be crucified and resurrection and bring in the kingdom in a way that nobody would have guessed and nobody would imagine. But at this point, the disciples are not quite ready for this. They don't even fully understand it. And yet, they don't understand it. And Jesus knows this. What's fascinating is, you think about this, after three years, the Son of God, teaching and healing and ministering, has 12 disciples. No, 11 disciples, because Judas betrayed him. That's who he has left. I mean, think about it. And here he is, talking to God and saying, I'm thankful, I'm content. Are there other folks that believe him throughout his ministry? You better believe it. But over the course of time, they stopped following him in a public way because, number one, either they didn't understand these hard words that Jesus was saying and they didn't trust him for all he said, or they were afraid to be seen with him because of the religious leaders because they didn't want to be stoned or put to death like Jesus was about to do. The religious leaders had just scared them off. Few people wanted to be seen with Jesus at this point. But yet he's talking to the Father. He has no regrets. And he says... Basically, I've fulfilled my mission. I've done my job. I don't know about you, but I'm constantly in my life, uh, at the end of the day, wear myself, I wear myself out what, what I could have gotten done during that day. Or looking back over the week, man, what I should have done this week. But at some point, we, like Jesus, we must quit trying to do everything to please everybody and to fix the whole world. <laughs> Like Jesus, we all have a specific calling. We have a mission. Everyone in this room has a specific mission of what God the Father and Jesus has called us to, and we rest in that. If not, you will drive yourself crazy, and you'll never feel like you're good enough, and you're going to put guilt that God himself doesn't put on you in that way. See, it's a principle of basic stewardship. God only calls us to do the best with what he has given us by way of resources, and by way of the time that we have. No more, no less. See, and Jesus started this section with a word that can be confusing. You see that word manifest there? We don't use that word very often. It basically means represented. Meaning, he's telling the Father, he has all his teaching and training with his followers up to that point had represented his Father, the words of his Father. And he's beginning to treat the disciples like friends and peers now and now, Jesus is just praying, saying, I've represented you. This is how God feels about the disciples. And God, you know how you feel about it, and this is how I feel about you. Now, Jesus is just praying. And how is he praying? In a different way than, than he prays often. You know, a lot of times it talks about Jesus being alone, just going off by himself and praying. Totally different here. Does anybody remember the old party lines, phone lines uh, that people have? I'm showing my age here. Not only that, but I'm showing how country I am. <laughs> We had it a long time after that. But basically what you'd have is, especially people that grew up in rural areas, they had several, several residents on one phone line. Uh, and the way it would play out is any given time you would pick up the phone, somebody else may be having a conversation that had nothing to do with you, one of your neighbors, just whoever they called. And so you put it down and say, i got to wait my turn. And so it sounds crazy now. It's kind of like rotary phones when you see kids look at them, and you're like, hey, show me how to use this. They're like, they don't know. Same thing here. It's just absurd in some ways. But anyway, uh, like you said, the way it would play out, you would, you'd hear people on a call. Well, I had a, 
I had a cousin that was my next door neighbor that was a uh, he, he was uh, mentally mentally disabled, and he would uh, he lived next door to us, but he was also very mischievous, and he loved to eavesdrop on conversations on the phone, and so we would we would be on the phone and we'd hear some you know somebody pick it up like, and they if they don't put down you knew it was my cousin Marvin. And I'm like, Marvin, I'm on the phone. Silence. Next thing you hear, like, Marvin, I can hear you breathing, dude. <laughs> Hang up the phone, and then you'll hear a click. Sometimes, and then he, over time, he got better at it. He, like, clicked the phone like he turned it up, like he hung it up, and then, you know, like he didn't. And one time I was talking to him, I was like, Marvin, I know it's you. You're on the phone. He said, no, I'm not. <laughs> Pretty sure you are. <laughs> but, and so, uh, there's just that, you know, it was a temptation. I mean, you pick up the phone, you're kind of tempted to eavesdrop, like, oh, more about this conversation we're talking about. But here, Jesus is given permission for his disciples to eavesdrop. This is the point of a prayer. This is not something that he's petitioned with the Father he has not done before. But he's praying in such a way, he's like, I want my disciples to hear this intimate conversation between a father and a son, between the deepest things in our heart, what means the most to us about them. And what is the topic? his current disciples, and people like you and me that are going to be his future disciples there. And Jesus is saying to his prayer, like, Father, I've represented you well, your heart, your passion to these people. I'm, I've done it in such a way that when they hear my words, they know at this point the Father is speaking to their heart. They're speaking to them. And so what is he saying? Not only who is he saying about, but what is he saying? He's saying, I brought them to you the ones that were in you, that you had a desire for, and I brought truth to them. Now, I don't know about you, but I hear a lot of talk nowadays, and you can't get around this, where people are talking about your truth, my truth, their truth. Uh, Y'all have heard that a lot. We, and that's why a lot of people say we live in a post-truth society, which means people really don't say there's an objective certain truth anymore. They say, you know, if that's true for you, good. If it's true for me, we can both be true. And, uh, but... And many people don't believe that, uh, that um, any one truth is right. But the problem with this is this, and it's so inconsistent in some ways because if that's true, why is the world so angry? Why, if I say something to you and it's just my truth and you know that, why would you care if it's not your truth? Like, okay, you like vanilla, I like chocolate, big deal. Why are some people so angry all the time? And the, like, you know, for instance, if there's no objective truth, then there can be nothing like hate speech. It's just your truth. It's just your speech, right? Um, and the problem is that there's only really uh, no one truth, and which means if somebody says there's no one truth, then there can be no right, right and wrong. Then anything goes. Uh, nobody can be upset with injustice. Nobody can be upset with mistreatment. Uh, but in our hearts, not just because we're followers of Jesus, we know this can't be true. See, Jesus said from the beginning of his ministry that you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Father, I mean, he goes on to say, I am the truth. And you know why? Because his words, and he was the embodiment of true things from God, his heart, and the truth that he speaks. There's so many voices contending for truth right now, and we have to in our minds. And I have people that are so confused about this that talk to me all the time. Like, I hear so many commentators. I hear so many podcasts. I hear so many people interpreting the Bible that are saying different things. How do I know what's true? 
See, we have to have some kind of paradigm to know what's true and what is not true. And it matters so much. But here's the deal. Here's, it's different than what people think. You know why some people think truth matters? So I can be right and everybody else can be wrong. That is not the purpose of truth. See, this is where, where people in the church are misled. In some way, they convey truth like, you know, we're, we're given truth so you know this is true and you know that we're right and you're wrong. It's not what Jesus is talking about here because he's talking about something about unification here in a minute that we'll get to. See, the reason truth is so important is not so you can be right. Not so we can be right. It's because truth itself leads to a thriving, healthy life. That's what truth leads to. And the other leads to destroying yourself and everybody around you. But if you're more concerned with being right over wanting to help and serve those around you that don't agree like you, other than leading people with a healthy, vibrant life, then you are missing Jesus' point, and you're missing the point of Christianity. If it's just about you being right, you're talking about something opposite of what Jesus is really getting at right now. Because one way leads to self-righteousness and arrogance, where you walk around and you're like, well, you're dumb. Like, I can't wait till you get arrive at my point where you're smart enough to, to understand the truth. That's one. Self-righteous arrogance. The other one leads to truth that sets you free. Leads to love, compassion for those that don't understand and are not there yet. Let's look at point two. Uh, prayer for the disciples. Jesus said, verse 9, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those who have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which has given me, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept your name, which you had given me. I guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except for the son of destruction. He's talking about Judas. This, that scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak to you, speak in the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. See, Jesus was in the world. And the disciples were from the world. Jesus was not from the world. And he wasn't going to stay in the world in the same way. Jesus was saying, Father, I was here to protect them. I'm not going to be here in the same way anymore. He's praying to the Father that they, he will protect the disciples and future disciples. Keep them safe. And how? First of all, the idea of truth that we talked about. He knows without truth that, that, that there's nothing to protect them from destruction. But the second thing is unity. He talks about. He wants his followers to be unified and not divided. The idea that there's safety in numbers. Isolation is the opposite of this. See, the world tells us that if we're really going to experience freedom, that we must celebrate our differences. But there's only one thing. If you celebrate your differences and focus on your differences to the point that it leads to you being isolated, that is unhealthy for you. Our quote in our bulletin today says, because of their unity, the world will know that God loves the disciples and sent them. Ultimately, therefore, God's love is the basis for believers' unity with one another and the Father. And what does he say in verse 13 is going to be the end result of this? What's the end result of people being uh, holding to truth? What's the end result of them being unified? Is it conformity? No, it's joy. The source and means of that joy that we're going to experience. So let's make the last point here. A prayer for protection. Verse 14 it says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, 
just as I am not in the world. And they're not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them with your truth. Your word is true. And you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may be sanctified and true. Don't get bogged down with the world talk here. He's basically saying the idea that we talked about before, that we, Jesus has come to the world, not for us to be living on some plane above the world, but we are in the world but not of the world because of the work that Jesus has done in our life. So what's going to protect them? He's worried about protection when he's praying. He's not worried about it, but he's praying for protection from the Father uh, of that. Well, what's going to protect him? Truth. What's it going to protect him from? Hate. Error. Believing lies about them, ourselves. Believing lies about others. Believing lies about the world itself. And protection from what he's talking about? From evil. A few years back, there was a movie called Extraction. Well, maybe some of y'all saw that. The main character was played by Chris Hamsworth, who plays Thor in the Marvel movies. Uh, anyway, it was about an Indian father who would stop at nothing to get his kidnapped son. And he hires a mercenary, Chris Hemsworth, uh, to go get him and bring him out. And he has, he's a rich guy. It's pretty dirty money, but he's still a rich guy. He sends, he has all this money and all the resources that he needs to find his son. And he hired the perfect guy to do it. Now, if you were God and you were worried about protection, and you had your people in a world that were going to that were going to hate them at times, that were going to that work against them to try to 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 steal their joy, their truth, uh, to to try to talk them out of their mission in life. What would you do? Probably extraction, right? You say, get them out of there. These my people. I don't want to marry anymore. You would risk everything to keep them safe. But God did it a different way. Jesus, on behalf of the Father, feels exactly the way, same way that we do about protection, like we would do our own children, our own friends. And his objective is protection. But he's not going to pull them out of the world. He's going to keep them in the world. Why? Because of what we talked about before, because we all have a mission. And that mission cannot be fulfilled if we're pulled out of the world. Or we begin to live such a life where we don't interact with the world in that way. Because look at verse 18. He says, As you sent me in the world, so I have sent them in the world. Same Father, same Son of God, sends on a mission. He's done the same thing with us. Each of us have a mission, just like Jesus did, from the Father in what we do. And we all want mission because that's what gives us value and purpose in, in life uh, and in the world. Um, there was a study that was done uh, for folks that were in nursing homes, and they realized that if... The people in nursing homes had animals and plants to care for every day. It, it, it promoted vigor in their life and longevity of life. Why? Because as human beings, we need to be on mission. We need to understand that we have some things, some people, some things to care for. And when we're on that mission, that, that's who we are. Jesus is putting his disciples and us on mission, not out of duty. It's not something where God's saying, you better fulfill your mission. He's saying, no, you're going to, like the people in the nursing home, you're going to thrive when you understand your mission and your value. It's not a secret mission either. He doesn't leave us guessing about what our mission is. Every day that you wake up, you have access to the Father in the same way that Jesus did, in the same way the disciples did, in the same words, by reading the Bible and listening to the Father's words 
and the ability to talk just like Jesus did in every conversation with the Father the same way. We all have that. And, and through those things, every day you're going to see more clarity about what this mission is that will really bring you joy and thriving and longevity in life. Let me end with this. As followers of Jesus, we can unite around truth and love one another and work together and make disciples so the world will know that Jesus is the full representative of the Father and revealed it to us. And that's going to be the thing that's going to bring most meaning and value in our lives. We can also be confident in our mission and we can be confident that we're going to be protected. It doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you're not going to be sick and hurting and all those things. Those are the kind of things that Jesus uses on your mission. The suffering that you have, those are the exact things he uses to bring redemption and healing and sometimes not show people faith in that way. But here's the thing we must remember. Very last thing. This prayer for his disciples and for future disciples was not a one-time prayer. Jesus is in heaven right now, constantly and specifically for everybody in this room, praying for protection in a world that wants to hate you, praying for you to find truth in a world that wants to tell you a lot of lies and wants to destroy you. Jesus is up there right now praying every moment, the same prayer that he prayed for his disciples now. Take comfort in that fact. And think about that as you come to the communion table today. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.